Welcome to a Drop Tent Media Production. The Porcupine with Adam Nutter. What's up, everybody? To the second episode of The Porcupine, I am Adam Nutter, your host. Um, with me on, this, on my second episode, very special guest, super great comic, the co-host of Part of the Problem, and the host of the Run Your Mouth podcast, my good friend, Robbie Bernstein, everybody. Thank you for showing up, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, man. Um, like I said, we were talking a bit off mic, and it's a bummer that we haven't really seen each other in like a year physically. <laughs> and uh, all the we had lined up and stuff, and all this is just fucking gone, obliterated in the course of a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's funny because last year in March, I was starting to line up like headlining shit, which was cool. And well, you know, it's a year later. Hopefully, I get back out there, start lining up <laughs> some shit again. <laughs> I mean, and you said you haven't really been doing a, a lot of stand-up in the last year, and, like, I mean, I, I haven't done a lot. I would say I've done a decent amount, as much, you know, maybe, like, 30-something shows around, maybe around there, but, like, uh, it's that thing of, like, wow, you really forget how much timing is important to comedy. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's repetition and stuff like that, because you go up there, and you're like, oh, I've, I'm so used to doing this, and then you just do, like, a five, seven-minute bit, and you're like, oh, that felt off, it felt, like, <laughs> fucking weird, and you gotta go back and, like, do I suck? Do I quit? <laughs> like, what do I do? It does come. It does come back. It does come back. So um, it will fall back in line, dude. So I wouldn't worry about. The I find it's uh, if, in front of a good room. Like I have material that works, and so good rooms are easy. It's the ones that are a battle, and you'd have to win them over. That's where getting up <laughs> all the time like really makes a difference. And then also, if I if I really haven't gotten up for a while, sometimes it's funny when you've got a bit that like. I mean, you, you know, like the shit you're noodling with, and then there's the stuff that you've told a hundred times you've crafted over five years and it works. And it's yeah. funny when you're hopping into that one, you're like, oh, fuck, I just fucked up that punchline. Because I don't rehearse my act. I don't like, I, no. I never. Yeah, that's not something I, no. that's not part of my process. Maybe it should be, but it's not something I've, I've done thus far. I, you know, I, I'm always like, like again, a lot of comics are like, you got to write every day. I'm like, do you though? Like, it's that doesn't work for me like that. Like for me personally, like I have to already have an idea in my head or something to start to write it. Like I can't just sit down at a table and be like, okay, go and like just I can't do how it. How many years it you been doing? Uh, how many years you been doing stand up? Eight. Eight. Okay, yeah. Me and you were basically the same. I'm. I think yeah. I'm ten, but you know, some college, some Corona in there, so it, it's it's about my wheelhouse. <laughs> Um, yeah. no, I've gotten, I've gotten really disciplined about, uh, and I, I've actually developed some better writing habits through this, which I hope carry over, but I also might discover that everything I've written just isn't funny. Cause I've had that happen to me. <laughs> uh, but I, I try and write every morning, but like you said, I need to come to my computer with a thought that I had somewhere else to like play around with and write out or rewrite. If I just try and sit at my computer with nothing and like try and I, I can't develop shit. Like I can find new angles on jokes, but mm -hmm. so that when I have nothing, that's when I start reading the newspaper and just like tweeting. And then sometimes I start <laughs> crafting from there. But yeah, if I don't have like something that happened and I wrote a little thought in my notebook, if I just sit down blank page, try and craft something for nothing, it's like, it never happens. I don't even understand how people have that process. That's my problem with the uh, fucking TikTok is like, I have one or an account and I, I made like three videos. One got like over a thousand like likes or views, not even likes, views, not even likes, views. And I was like, oh, I'm out of ideas. 
like I'm out of that's it. Like because like TikTok is like so like it's so literally perfect for Gen Z, like that just quick like dumb ideas just thrown out there. And I don't have that brain. I have like the longer form comic brain where I'm like, well, I need to make like a bit. I can't just do like a one a quick one minute cut up video. And like I know it's like we got to keep up with the times, right? But it's hard. It's hard to change your whole comedic style just to fit a fucking social media platform. <laughs> like, yeah, I haven't, I haven't checked out. Uh, I'm a late adopter when it comes to tech stuff. I haven't checked out TikTok at all, which is not to my credit. But um, I have found from, I guess, doing my podcast, uh, and maybe there's an arrogance to this, but I do think that once you, yeah, like stand-up's the most fun to do. That's all I want to oh, do. In a perfect dude, world. I wouldn't yeah. be good at anything else. I wouldn't want to do anything <laughs> else. I would just, I, that's not, I don't have that option. I got enough free time on my hands to try and work on other stuff creatively because I'm not doing that much stand-up. That's the reality. So I write a lot for my right. podcast. But I do think you start figuring out how to like, you know, use your funny in different platforms. They're just not as much fun. Yeah, that's, um, my buddy, uh, he's trying to do like this small YouTube comedy series he wants to write. He's like, hey, you want to play like, a small role in it? He's like, you're, you, he's like, you play a werewolf. I'm like, that sounds fun, like a, com- a comedic thing. You got werewolf guy. vibe. Yeah, I have, I have a werewolf. You got like twink too. werewolf. I, I yeah. yeah. I look like, yeah, I look like twink werewolf, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, like, I'm there, and, like, I'm, I'm reading the lines, and I'm going over, and I'm like, nah, this isn't as fun as fucking comedy, though. Like, the whole time, I just kept thinking, like, this I'm reading somebody else's work. Like I'm doing, I'm reading somebody else's creativity. I'm reading somebody else's thoughts, and I'm just sitting here, just being like, da, 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 da. "Did I do good? Oh, you want me to do it a different way? Okay." It's like so not creative, you know what I'm saying? Or stand up, like I just okay, like like we were saying before, I just go out there and you fucking walk out into a room, it's like you know, it's 60 people there, and you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna fuck around. I'm just gonna, I'm not even gonna do material right now. I'm just gonna start pick it on the front row and you just have a good time everyone gets involved that's the that feeling blows away any other podcast fucking acting whatever like this that feeling is so unique to us i feel anyway yeah no i i agree with you not so much with uh the crowd work but for me it's more new ideas like if i got a new idea oh, that oh, i'm yeah. crafting and i get up in a work and like and it starts to work or it's it's i, I don't know to me it's the thrill of the craft it's like the it's almost like the most fun sometimes I have is just sitting at my computer and like coming up with what I think is a good idea. And sometimes I'm wrong, but like that feeling of thinking you discovered an angle, you know, I don't know. I feel like to me, it's like you're prospecting for gold and you try and find yes. it. Like, that's what it is. Like, and when you find it, you're like, fuck yeah. And then you, you go share it. And sometimes people go, that's not gold. And you're like, ah, fuck, I thought I had gold here. <laughs> uh, but to me, you only yeah. have like those moments of discovery, uh, like when you're getting on stage and you like, I, I don't know, because I didn't do well in school, but I, I did all my studying right before the final. And it's the pressure of the final that gets you to actually study. Mm-hmm. And I stand up a little bit like that, too, where suddenly you start actually just coming up with the jokes because, you know, you got the gig that you, you like you want to do. Right. And then, you know, you're going to see the audience. You start writing for that audience. I find it, it you know, it all kind of ties together. But that, that the, the thrill <laughs> to me is very much in the like, the, the crafting. Yeah, no, I, I, for sure. I, I love when a new joke, like the first time a new joke, like pops, and you're like, ooh. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. and now how can I crack this bitch open to get more yoke out of it? You know, it's yeah. like that thing. But um, just talking about, so I was talking about comedy, and obviously us being comics and stuff, um, and libertarians, uh, most of our friends are fucking just lefty, 
like a very liberal. It's just the scene we run in and I'm sure this happens to you, but a lot of the times I'll just get asked, I'll just get treated like a, I might as well be a Nazi in their eyes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't you know, fall in line with this ideology. It's like, how can you say that about like, you know, government or like taxes or whatever? I'm like, well, what's theft or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, well, that's because, you know, you're like an alt-right wing. I'm like, oh, all right, man. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure that happens to you all the time. Um, how is your best way to combat that in your personal opinion to try to get like that public discourse of like co-workers of like right. to try to, you know like peers, no, so, um, like, our peers would be like hey calm the fuck down <laughs> like just trying to have a conversation here um i firstly i'm not that great in like group settings as it is i i and i i'm just saying like me i usually like hanging out with one or two i'm kind of like introverted so usually if there's like four or five people having a conversation about something i'm pretty content to not get all that involved um and so i don't know that i end up in that many combative like things if the where i will kind of hop in is if it's two or three or there seems to be a level of intelligence that people are actually conversing Mm. um but usually it i I mean it's all based on particular topics more often than not i've thought about the topic more than the other person or i've actually done some research on it I'm just saying more often than not, people, I, I I mean, to be honest, I mean, this is by design because I'm trying to work and kind of um, talk political media. I, I read the newspaper every day for at least an hour minimum. I probably too. Sometimes I'm reading longer politics. Like sometimes there's a Supreme Court thing that happened and I read all 75 pages of that. Oh, wow. I don't know too many other fucking people that are like putting in the work like that. So just more often than not, if if I'm having a conversation with, with someone about this stuff, I've probably done more of the homework. And no one likes hanging out with that person. There's not a person in the world that when you're bullshitting, you want to sit down next to the guy who goes, well, actually, I read that pot. And like, oh, this fucking nerd. No, so, you, you want the actually guy <laughs> pushing up his glasses. And you're like, get out of here. You're right. fucking herpes. No, no, yeah. no one likes that person in life. I'm telling you, don't read. It's not worthwhile. <laughs> you just become unlikable. But with that being said, at least I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty uneducated. When it comes to fucking history, I don't know history. I don't know science. Like, there's topics I know nothing about. When it comes to current events, um... I would say there's few people in the world who are doing more homework like in that than yeah. I am. You know what I mean? Also putting not just reading the stuff, but then putting your thoughts together to do, you know, three, three to four podcasts a week. I can spend six hours a week talking about what's going on in current events. Um, so more often than not, like I said, I, sometimes I just stay silent because I'm really not in the mood to engage with people. Um, if they care to engage with me, I can usually just I, I and I don't go, hey, you're an idiot or hey, like I can usually just ask a couple questions to kind of showcase the fact that they haven't really thought it through or done any reading that they've just kind of accepted some narrative based off of nothing um and then i find from there i can usually inform them on some other information however people usually because my information is so different than what they've heard Mm -hmm. they just think i'm like a lunatic that's the thing is you could again with even basic like again like libertarian arguments 101 for us like you know the roads or like the fire department like that we could flip on its head in two seconds and be like well we'll destroy that argument for good you say it to a a regular just i guess listener of the of, of the of the of the standard and they'll be like no i can't perceive government not being involved in the roads it's like there's no other way that and it's like Hey man, but, but read this read this article, read this book, and they go no, and it's just that fucking wall, and then 
this is where I, I commend you because you're like, well, I won't argue with them. And like, I try not to, but as soon as I feel like I get the disrespect my way, I'm like, oh, fuck you. And I'll just go into like a fight mode and I just get too combative and I lose people that way. And I know that and I have to work on that myself better. But like, that's where my dumb chimp alpha brain will pop up into arguments. I'll be like, you know, I'm like, well, actually, you should read like Mises or you should read like, you know, this or like Thomas Sowell, but basic economics. And be like, no, well, Thomas Sowell's a racist as a black man. Like, I'm like, no, you're fucking. And I get mad. <laughs> I used to do like a fucking old gorilla about it, you know, and like not. And I have to learn how to just be like, no, 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 this is why you're wrong. Or not even wrong. Because even you say that and people, you know, put the walls up, right? So, um, I usually the find the we... uh, the the asking questions works pretty well. Uh, yeah, and right. if there's any libertarians, I, I think uh, recently on an episode of the Shedcast, which is a podcast I do with my friends that live in a shed, uh, they asked me just about minimum wage, and it was probably like a 45 minute conversation. But they just walked away like thoroughly convinced. Uh, and so if I, I, I don't know, I, I would say, firstly, if you're interested in why minimum wage laws are wrong, go listen to that. I don't feel like rehashing it. Yeah, yeah, um, we don't. But, but usually just some of the, I, I, here's the biggest things. Pointing out the unintended consequences makes a really big difference because, you know, government, they're in the business of selling their services. A really good example is, you know, Biden's trying to sell his immigration policy. Ted Cruz did this ex, Ted Cruz is a fucking douche, but on this one, he did yeah. a good job where he was like, the unintended consequence of Biden pretending he's being compassionate with his policy is that young girls are being raped while crossing the border. So, like, right. you can pretend all day, hey, we're trying to be compassionate, but look at what's happening here. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I, I find the biggest thing is to play, almost, if you can, play the compassionate card and go, yes, I share the same concern with you. Uh, like, in any, in any category, we're not coming at it. They try and paint us into the picture like we're trying not to care for people, and right. that's not true. We usually just have a better perspective on economics and how you actually get goods and services to people. So it just becomes a function of here's the unintended consequence of whatever policy you're putting forward, and here's how the market can actually better allocate those resources. It's really just two sentences. It's like here's the <laughs> unintended consequences. Here's how the market better allocates resources. And then just a couple questions of, well, have you considered the following problem? Right. So, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll give you a, uh, so um, my co-host, the, the Cult of Us podcast, my other podcast I do, uh, Neil, uh, we were driving home from a gig last week, and we were talking about the, the Chauvin trial, and he's like, uh, you know, he's like, what do you think is going to happen? And Neil is definitely a progressive left dude, like he's, that's where he leans. Um, he's like, what do you think is going to happen? I'm like, he's probably going to get off, because they're going to fuck it up, for sure. Like, they're going to fuck it up. Like, they will fuck that up, for sure. They will fuck up that trial. He'll get off. And then I said, and, and then the next thing I said <coughs> was, um, it's a shame that all these people's businesses are going to be ruined over something they had no control over. Right. And then when I tell you his anger went from zero to 100 at me, I was actually, I was driving, I was actually like thrown away by, like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, because he was like, you fucking libertarian. That's what he said. He's like, you fucking libertarian, you're fucking argument about like property. I went, yo. Calm down, dude. I was like, we're just having a conversation. He's like, no, he's like, show me like Twitter points. And I go, no, I'm not. I was just saying that's a natural progression from this trial is A, he's going to get off because they're going to fuck up. B, or if, even if they don't fuck, whatever, he's going to probably get off. And then B, they're going to riot. That's what's going to happen. I was, I was just following the progression of the conversation. And he was just like, then he con I got him to calm down because I wasn't yelling back. I'm like, I'm not going to yell at my fucking friend. Like, that's the thing. I'm like, I'm not going to hit this level with you. I was like, calm down. Like, we're just talking. So I got him to calm down. And then uh, I was, he was like, you know, there, well, there's things in place for the businesses. I said, actually, 
there's not. <laughs> I go, what most people don't know, I was like, most, I think 99% of insurances don't cover riots. Really? Oh, I wasn't aware yeah. of that. That's crazy. Like most insurances do not cover riot damage. Most of them. And also, I'm like, you guys care so much about the black community, you say, but whose property is going to get destroyed here? The rich white guy or the black guy who owns Jim's sports bar? Yeah, that was a funny one in, uh, I think it was Minnesota after, I forget which specific incident it was after, but they burned down these, um, uh, uh, what's it called, dealerships. They burned down two dealerships and both of them were Indian owned. Yeah, it's... Uh... What a lot of people don't understand, and I, I feel like the left more so than the right, but the right doesn't really either. But um, property rights are like human rights. Like you know, the, these these people—that's their livelihood. Like this guy's family put everything they have into their business for a bunch of people to come by and go, uh, firebomb. See you later. We're mad about George Floyd and move on." And then they're like, "I didn't do anything." I did nothing. And then no one gives a shit about them. No one. They won't get help. They might get a GoFundMe, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but probably not. And and then if we if we talk about it, that means we're defending the cops. That means we're fucking racist. And, and like, I guess well, it's also it's also funny because what are you doing? So you I mean, I guess you're helping out Amazon. You're gonna wipe out some of the local competition. You wanna ensure that there's no local stores in the area. Great, great well, strategy. Well, that's that's that was also the really funny thing about all the government overreach during all the COVID lockdowns. We're like, everyone shut your business unless you're Except Target, Lowe's, yeah. or Walmart. Then the big guys, you guys could fucking flourish. But you fucking have a. And then I, I said that argument before to people, and they go, um, "Well, a smaller hardware store, uh, everything's smaller, so you know the people could get infected easier." I said, "Okay, so then scale it back." So then they would have limited customers in, and less so than the Lowe's. But so you're telling me they can't open though? That's crazy. First of all, we all both could agree. I mean, we all know this, but like the Constitution got thrown out with this fucking virus. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, how many memes did you see? It was like uh, of the founding fathers holding the Constitution, being like, just to be clear, none of this shit matters if there's a virus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, what's your take? Yeah, what's your take on that? Actually, the whole like just the complete disregard of. Bill of Rights and Constitution for because you're again you're a reader you you fucking a really smart guy. What's your take on the governors just complete being authoritative dictators in this whole thing? I mean, it, it's a fucking sham. I, I mean, you already <laughs> said it. There's not there's not a lot that needs to be said about it. Um, firstly, there wasn't enough evidence of the fact that this is the kind of epidemic that you would like. I understand making the argument of hey, there's something so terrible. That we've got to like, we got to throw the rules out. You know, it, it, there, there's a disease out there. You go outside, you're dead. We want to protect you everybody. Turn to so, a zombie. Yeah, like <laughs> so. I yeah. I understand being in a disaster situation where, like, and I'm not saying that they should do it or that that's the right thing to do, but I understand being in such a compelling disaster situation where you tell everyone until we can figure this out, everyone's got to stay in their home. And you start enforcing that because, it, like you said, there's there's zombies out there. They don't know how they're turning into zombies. They can see the infection rate of how people are getting bitten. And they go, we, we need everyone to stay home until we can figure that out. I would still say they don't have the right to do that, but I can at least understand it. This was not that. This was, if anything, proof of the fact of why you would have these laws in place where government can't just go, hey, it's a disaster situation, because who knows when they'll do it. And in this case, it's not that, like... Uh, I mean, certain individuals lost out bad, which I think is, uh, I think it almost points to uh, 
a fault in society that we almost we don't stand up for each other against government. We almost go, oh, I'm mm-hmm. like I'm lucky. Like I got lucky that government yeah. didn't shut down my industry. We didn't really get the backs of the local. I mean, I don't really have any friends who own restaurants, but I'm just saying as a society, we did not get the backs of the random people who got fucked over on this. We just kind of were like, oh, I'm lucky. But that's what kind of allows government to, you know, pick us off individually. So I'm just saying, if you look backwards on this thing, this is the perfect example of why we would have these laws in place that even in emergency cases, government shouldn't be able to infringe on liberty um, because if we give them that power in the emergency situations, they're going to use it even in the non-emergency situations. Right. And what ended up happening in this case is, firstly, I mean, certain individuals lost out. They lost their businesses. They've lost a lot. Uh, but we also spent an absurd amount of money uh, to try and pretend like we could get through this. I don't think we're going to survive the amount of money that was spent. It was also cover for the amount of money at the beginning of this that they gave over to uh, – I mean, the only reason they actually gave us checks this time is because they couldn't bail out Wall Street a second time without right. giving money to people. They couldn't. Like, they, just right. the optics of doing a bailout for the big banks and not for – so they gave us you know fucking what? pennies. Yeah. Can I, can, can I say, though? But but why? But they could have because no one does anything in this country. Like, we don't do shit. We just keep getting fucking dicked down by the no, government. So they, keep going, they, lose the, they lose the narr- – they don't want to attract the attention of the left. To the power of the banks they like this woke culture they like where their focus is if they gave money to to the big banks and nobody else then you, you would have had you would have the conversation about the power of the big banks as opposed to the current conversation which is like no we need government to basically run in a socialized fashion where they're giving money to the people that need it so it's going to the poor people and it's also going to you know the banks because the banks are having a problem so it, I think in this case, they would have had a PR disaster if at the beginning of Corona, people were you know struggling in the way that they were and that they were just giving over money to the banks. I, I, I want to know how it's possible, how an entire, again, voting class of people don't understand that we gave literally millions of dollars to foreign countries for a relief bill and we couldn't give that money to those American citizens. And if I say that, no one, they don't really, they just, again, they'll call me racist or, or they'll be like, you don't understand economics. I go, no, I do. Why is it they just, is it, is it really that brainwashing? Is it really brainwashing that bad? Because, like, I'm telling you, I've had this conversation. I go, we just gave $10 million to Pakistan. So if we gave a shit about our people, why didn't $10 million go right back into the system? And no one has a fucking answer for me. It, 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 it's incredible. I, I, I don't understand. I, I don't understand how... I mean, I guess I can when if you could control the media and you control the narrative and if you're brainwashed that narrative, I mean, how many people just read regurgitate CNN headlines to you? Right. Well, and in the Pakistani example, um, the heart of the leftists are in the right place and that they're thinking like, all right, well, we gave money to someone who is poor. And so that that's the reason why that argument's not super persuasive to them. If you can start pointing to the fact that it didn't make it to a single poor person, but and I don't know clearly how much money we gave to Pakistan, and also yeah, millions of dollars is now it like literally what is millions of dollars when it comes to government? Like when we're talking, we're talking trillions now. Oh, you got a point. Yeah, you got a point to fraud of ten, twenty trillion dollars. Like <laughs> fucking ten million dollars, you can you can give that to one guy to paint a nicer bathroom. No one cares. That's like not even fraud on the budget. <laughs> no, for sure. But it's that thing of like when you when you try to tell when you try to talk to these people, you go, yeah, but like that money could have went to poor people here. 
Like we have poor Americans. Like why don't you want to take care of Americans first? And it's that it's that thing where it's like it's like, hey, we have Americans that are Pakistani. Take care of them. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like why are we actually giving again, no sense of money? I'm like, you know, that machine just goes burr, man. Like it's gonna run out. This inflation is gonna eventually happen. <laughs> like, I mean, eventually, right? We're gonna eventually hit another uh, uh, recession, probably. I'm assuming if we keep printing money with the with the Biden administration, especially. What? What? Didn't they just pass a gigantic um, uh, bill, Biden? Yeah. So Biden came in and he passed a uh, a giant second. Well, actually, it was the third. So. He passed the third COVID stimulus bill, which was the largest one yet. I think it was $1.9 trillion. Okay, off the top, off the top of my head, I could be wrong about this. I think the first one was by Trump, and it was $1.4. Then they had a big fight about what they were going to do, and it was like for 900 But each time, they almost pretended like this is going to be the last one. Then he came in, and he did you know a giant one. On top of that, he's looking to do an infrastructure plan, which is like $3 trillion. But most of it's not infrastructure. A lot of it's like green energy. And yeah, I don't know. There's all sorts of... It, like 5% of it's going for roads and bridges. It's got nothing to do with infrastructure. They're calling everything infrastructure. Um, and on top of that, he's trying to get another like $2 trillion plan for healthcare and whatever else. The, the guy's trying to print more than anyone's ever, ever even like, without going to war. It's almost impressive to spend all this money without getting yourself into a war. It's pretty, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's wild. But I mean, he did bomb Syria right away. So, I mean, you know, they're right. They don't. I, I didn't see, again, pushing that narrative, a CNN headline. It said Biden says that we, Biden, or Biden administration says that we might not be able to pull out of Afghanistan because it would hurt feminism. Yeah, that one's great. We talked about that today on a part of the problem. It's, uh, I, uh, no, I think Dave, Dave, Dave's, I, I think analysis, analysis on that is accurate that. They need to sell war to us. And like before it was, hey, they're coming for us or American freedom or terrorism. Now it's this uh, it's just it's a better talking point. We're we're going to stay in Afghanistan over feminism. What women what specific women are you helping? What is what like what exactly is there like a bunch of women being held captive and we're going to go fight one mission and we're going to release these people and then we can leave? Like, are we overthrowing the, the their government and enacting new laws? Are we going to go on some cultural PR camp? Like, wh what exact what exact fight with the military do you need a fight that you are then <laughs> going to somehow solve feminist issues in Afghanistan? Um, but they they want to sell it to the American people. Like, well, if we just leave, then what's going to happen to women in America? You guys care about women, right? Right. I mean, it's that that's the way they're trying to sell it now. It's, oh man, that's really pathetic. Um, it's really pathetic. But people buy it for sure. 100% people buy it, right? They'll be like, well, uh, that's, uh, can you imagine? I, I mean, th this is the f the way it works with propaganda is you repeat it enough, and right. uh, suddenly it starts just becoming the norm because it's heard so often. So I, I, I this is the first time that that's been floated. They're almost like teasing that new storyline. But just wait till you're at dinner with someone and you go, hey, we really need to get out of Afghanistan. And they're like, do you hate women? You must hate women. I mean, have you not heard about all the terrible things that are going to happen to women unless we remain in that country? And you're like, look at the cost of war. Like, the worst people in the world are profiting off this thing. We're not doing anyone a favor. Like, are you kidding? You hate women. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's wild. But um, 
that actually circles around to my other part of, of uh, cancel culture topic I want to bring up because, again, we're comics. We don't necessarily fit the mold. <laughs> you know, we're, we're outspoken. Yeah, we uh, were canceled before we started, buddy. There, there's no... <laughs> No getting canceled because we're never gonna have. No, Sorry, we're already, we never got off the ground. <laughs> we never got up. You have to to build your own thing. But uh, just um, like okay, I, I've, I've given an example of the whole Ellery Smith thing that just happened a month ago. I'm sure I don't know if you're familiar with that, where she randomly she was a she's a comic, she's a writer for I think uh, Robot Chicken, and she oh, yeah, randomly yeah, yeah, yeah. shit on Shane Gillis. She's like, whatever happened to that racist comic? Uh, you know. And then a bunch of people were like, you know what? Nah, we're sick of this. And they fucking went on a went on her, went back to her old tweets, and she was just like, Asian people are whack, or whatever the fuck she was saying, like just wild shit. And then she says she got fired from her day job, and she's like, but that's okay, I deserve it. And, and like, it's like, no, you don't. As much as I don't like you, especially as a com, as a fellow comic, you know, and like you're you're part of that evil culture I hate. And I don't like you. I respect you. I don't want to see you get fired from old tweets. And it's this weird fucking vicious cycle that you think guys like us and girls like us, ones being like, no, don't do that. And then even eventually people on the left, they're not getting like, hey, they just keep eating our own. Maybe we should stop this. But they don't. He's got, they just keep uh, going and going. She has hot 20-year-old uh, got her dream job right out of college energy that she's thinking she like, hey, the ideals of this culture are so important that if I have to take a hit, that's okay. Because to me, yes, I actually stand by my philosophy that, you know, we shouldn't make these jokes about Asian Americans. So if it means my job, I'll get, but here's the thing. She doesn't know what life is without a job. She doesn't know what life is when you're not a good looking 20-year-old. And I'm sure she also thinks, and she might be right, she might be right that wall culture is headed to a place where her martyring herself is actually going to bring her more income down the line. Or maybe she's got such wealthy parents, she she actually does not care and has no concern for that next thing. You and I, how old are you? You're about my uh, age. I'm 34. You're 34. Okay, I'm 30. I don't know how you make a living in life, but I can tell you it has not been an easy run for me. Working, having a job and being able to keep it is is rare. I'm trying to break into comedy for us. So to me, that would be the most devastating in the thing in the world. I'm a little older than her, and I'm like, no, nah, I think you just lost something that was actually pretty cool to have, and it sucks that you lost it. Right. I almost feel like she's too. Uh, and by the way, she might be right. She might turn around tomorrow, get a better gig because you know uh, there's so much money. And by the way, I think some of the money in the wool culture stuff actually pours downhill from government. Uh, and that, like, I think being on the right side of government, bring, like, why do you think Delta is involved in what's going on uh, with the voting laws uh, in Atlanta? Do you, do you think Delta, like, corporations want profit, but when Delta gets a, basically a bailout of whatever, while Corona's happening, they're playing for a team now. So guess right. what? They don't really care about the profits of the market. They care about making sure that whatever Democrats make sure that anytime their airline gets in trouble, they actually get a bailout, bailout is happy. So if that means that they've got to get the back of the propaganda machine of the Democrats to say, hey, what's going on here is racist, because that's when it really seems racist. If you're just a casual observer, you don't know what the policy is about the voting law. CNN's telling you it's racist. And then all of a sudden companies are going, oh, we're out. You're like, oh, I'm not used to hearing companies get upset about something. This must be legitimately racist. Like the optics right. of that play well. And now if you're Delta, you might be getting more profits by, you know, actually getting paid by the government 
when you need your bailouts, you need whatever policy on labor law or however oil works and real oil costs work. You know what I mean? So you might not really even be playing for customers in the market. It's actually more lucrative for you to get involved in this shit. I think that a lot of funding, and now I'm being conspiracy. I can't I can't point to the specific evidence, but I mean, you can see it with like college grants and the amount of money that floats around in college and how much of it goes to like certain departments and that kind of shit. So I actually think for this lady, it could be, oh, I'll tell you one more, one more example. It came out, like I think Jackson Pollock and some other uh, painters of his era were actually purchased by, the artwork was being purchased by the CIA because we were, when we were competing with the Russians, they wanted to pretend like there was more demand for American high art because we were competing with the Russians. We want to make it seem like, listen, we're yeah. running the cultural battle. Look how much money our artists are making. This is where like the demand is. It's for our artists. So don't think that government money is not infiltrating aspects of our economy for an agenda. So a lady like that who's willing to martyr herself for the um, woke cause might actually find herself in a position where there's more lucrative income coming her way, uh, and it doesn't actually set her back. Yeah, very, very possible. It's just I, I, I don't want to feel like a hypocrite. You know, like you don't want to celebrate. Oh that. no, I didn't. I, I'm, yeah. I nothing no, no, I said no, no, was no, saying no, like no, 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 she lost her that. job. Saying, like, me, it's funny like, as much uh, as I didn't like her. And well, here's where you're not really being a, hip, a a hypocrite is that you and I would say no matter what joke you make, you should never lose. Like you don't. But I don't like a fucking rat. When you start going after other comics, yeah. now now you're in the rat category. So Damn. you're losing. You're you're actually losing your job because the world doesn't like hypocrites, and you just got caught being a hypocrite. Like that. that you know true. what I mean? It's like. Yeah. The, the the it might the it might look like you're being fired because hey I said but no one knew that you did the racist thing it's more that nobody likes a fucking rat hypocrite you just got busted in public for being a rat hypocrite and so you know if I'm running a company I don't want a rat hypocrite fucking hanging around now on paper that's not what you got fired for right, but I'm just right. saying you can it, it's actually like I agree with you. I did not like that she lost her job I don't want to see anyone losing their job over jokes it's a bad standard. However, rooting for people not like you can you can have both things in your brain. You can have, hey, I don't think people should lose their jobs yeah. for, for. But if you're a fucking rat hypocrite, it doesn't matter where you get busted for being a rat hypocrite about. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the the comment. I man, I'm definitely whatever. I don't care. I'll say it. Um, I just I feel like, again, bad comics usually attack successful comic that's how you that's a trend i feel like the whole seth simons thing right like a failed comic going after trying to make literally like a thousand dollars and then he's like i'm successful now because i made a thousand dollars shitting on shane gillis it's like there is a yeah there's a it's, it's like it's like a dante's inferno pit in hell situation for them where you're like nah man you guys aren't supposed to do that to each we're not supposed to do that to each other it's it's that yeah fucking, i'm a, with with my rat example Firstly, I'm I, I, I'm not advocating for violence in any capacity, but isn't that almost um, speaks to the the ethics of the comedy community that a person can stab it in the back that bad and still just comfortably live his life without any concern for violence? Doesn't that anything show the actual moral character of the comedic community that you can? From the inside, bash it with horrible lies, ruin people's income, take their job, literally do the most snakish things possible, and yet you can you know that nobody's gonna um, like actually harm you or really go after you in any way. 
You know what I mean? If anything, it almost shows the moral character of of, it, of comedy. But we almost need someone who would take care of him. <laughs> it, well, no, it is. It's it's the moral character of comedy. Also, let's be honest. Most comics are pussies. <laughs> like, like, like. Okay, so like, I have an MMA background. I trained for eight years. I used to fight for a little bit. I don't play this game of like, if we're not friends and we're not, you know, like, you don't get to talk to me however you want. And there's a lot of comics who they just feel elite. Like this elitism with their attitude, and they'll they very look down on you, which isn't a saying, you know, saying they'll look down on you, and they'll talk down to you. And I'm like, hey man, say this shit again, I'll fucking knock you out. Like, there's none of this game. Like, I'm not fucking, I'm not, I'm not the guy to fuck with here. Like, I, you will not disrespect me if you, because like you could be smarter than me for sure, you'd be funnier than me. I don't give a fuck. But like, like once a lot of comments, I think get fucking mouthy, and it's it's a it's a pet peeve of mine, a big time, because it's like no one checks each other in the comedy community. That's my point. And that's to your point, I mean, is no one called anybody out for being an asshole. Like, like don't forget, when Rogan called out Mencia, he got banned from the fucking comedy store. Right. Like, comics don't like confrontation. But that doesn't make it right because we, the general group doesn't like it. We should do more of it because we got to get MMA. these assholes. Yeah. Wow. You don't have that vibe at all, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I'm also a giant stoner and I do mushrooms, bro. I don't fucking oh, there you go. All right. <laughs> How many fights did you do? Okay, so I fought. Wait, before um, you answer that, let this be a lesson to everyone why you should never stir shit with anybody. Because if I thought anyone was like just a fucking pussy face, it was Adam Nutter, and this guy's got MMA background. So just absorb <laughs> this as a lesson to never just pick fights with random people. <laughs> Thanks, Robbie. Now continue uh, your story. Sorry for that. No, it's fine. Um, no, you're good. No, I uh, <laughs> I trained for eight years, but I only fought for one because I didn't really want to like take it any further than that. So I fought amateur, and never won pro or anything like that. I have four official fights because I'm from you know, I'm from Staten Island, you know, and uh, MMA was illegal back then. Still, so I had two fights in Jersey and Connecticut where it was legal. And then we had a bunch of like underground fights on the island and like around the city Hell and stuff yeah. like that. Like, like we fought like like legit cage and stuff. Like, and, but like um, they're all like off the books. And no, but that also means you got dollars. a ton of sparring experience. Yeah, a shit ton. Spar yeah. heavy. This is back in like oh five oh six when like uh, no one gave a shit about jujitsu yet. Really, they're like just right. fucking throw hands, and you're like okay. Right. <laughs> so like to this day, like my stand up's pretty good, but like my, my jujitsu is like eh. And my wrestling is like, eh. like I'm not great on the ground, but right. I'm better than the average person. <laughs> so right. like, you know, but yeah, yeah, but yeah. So that's a that's a thing that always bothers me in the comedy community, where it's like, hey man, don't run your fucking mouth, because I'll fucking I will absolutely handle that for you. <laughs> it's not an issue. There's no issue here with me. So I, yeah, so that's the thing I hate in our scene. That's very fucking annoying. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we we can we can start wrapping up, dude. It's pretty much covered all the things i wanted to get to you with um tell everybody where they can find you or your podcast uh where you got coming up your social media all that jazz. hell yeah uh robbie the fire uh if you like usually most mornings 9 a.m i read the newspaper i tweet out some jokes and uh check out the run your mouth podcast and uh you know those are the, those are the good things also part of the problem but you probably already uh you know that was yeah. good too but you probably already know about it i'm sure you guys know that <laughs> yeah. uh and if you have any show dates coming up uh, yeah, I got to get them up on my website, but if you're out in Texas, uh, Childerberg, and if you're out in Portland, I'm going to be doing a show at the uh, whatever convention out there. Nice. Uh, 
go follow Robbie. He's a very funny comic. Uh, great on Part of the Problem and uh, Run Your Mouth podcast, everybody. So go give those a sub. Um, you guys can follow me at Adam Nutter, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Adam Nutter Comedy on – I'm sorry, Twitter and Instagram at Adam Nutter and Adam Nutter Comedy on tw- uh, Facebook and TikTok. Uh, I'll be in Staten Island May 4th at Little Victory Theater. Come on out to that. Tickets are available soon. I'll throw up my link. I got other shit coming up, too. Hopefully getting those rooftop shows in Philly going with Neil. Uh, go to droptent.com for all of my other podcasts. Cult of Us, Last Six Sports. Uh, you guys get it. Um, all right, Robbie, again, thank you for coming on, everybody. Peace. Thanks for listening. Find Adam on social media, Twitter and IG, at Adam Nutter, or Facebook and TikTok, at Adam Nutter Comedy. And for podcasts and merch, check out www.droptent.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.